How do you grow your mobile business sustainably for the long term? Hello and welcome to Retention Masterclass. My name is John Kitsier. And I'm Peggy Ann Saltz, we're your co-host as always on the show. Great to have you again, Peggy. Every mobile publisher wants great users and they don't just want to get them, they want to keep them. And guess what? Shockingly, they also want to monetize them. One company that helps publishers accomplish that better than most is Liftoff. Yeah, and you've probably seen that as well, John. I mean, I know what you do over there at uh, Singular, your ROI reports on ad partners, ad networks for Singular, they've come up. And I have to say that I also know the company firsthand. I do uh, the Mobile Heroes podcast, and uh, which you may or may not heard of. And more importantly, you may or may not have seen me in a Mobile Heroes comic book with the superheroes of mobile. Superheroes of yeah. mobile. And I think yeah. it's like the force of evil. I mean, like Dr. Evil or somebody yeah. like that in the comic. Yeah, I think so too. I do That's too. <laughs> like that. I'm not sure. Anyways, <laughs> back on topic here. We interview a lot of retention heroes on this show. And we figured it's time to start talking to some of the radioactive spiders that turn them into superheroes. Yeah, well, you know, I'm, I'm into radioactive spiders, John, because I'm into superheroes, too. So I'm not quite sure about that <laughs> analogy. But I would say our guest today, Dennis Mink, he's pretty close to Nick Fury in my book, maybe even the dark the dark coat I'm seeing here. But in real life, he's VP of marketing at Liftoff. He's on our show today. So Dennis, welcome to Retention Masterclass. Great to have you. Thanks, guys. Happy to be here. Awesome. Super happy to have you here. And let's start off with a pretty broad question. Where are we right now in the evolution of mobile? I mean, we started with paid apps, moved to freemium. We went from this frenzy of everybody getting installs to a focus on engaged users. We're now seeing increased focus on retention, subscriptions. That's one of the reasons why Peggy and I are doing this podcast. Where do you think we're now? And what do you see as the next logical steps? Mm. Uh, good question. I, you know, it's, I, I've actually, I, I, I entered the market back in 2014 and, you know, it was still, I mean, much of the industry was still focused on just acquiring installs and, you know, Liftoff, we came in with this focus on, on post-install conversions and generating revenue from apps, you know, back then, 2012, 2013, 2014, if you guys recall, it was pretty sexy, you know, it was a very sexy, exciting industry. Everyone, everyone wanted in to it. Now we're like God, 20, 2020 right? It's completely changed. It's, I think sort of the, the, the excitement of mobile has really passed. It's rare that we see any hot new exciting app come out, uh, really kind of of any sort. I think TikTok is argu ar not even arguably like the most exciting thing we've seen in a long time. And I think it's just like, uh, it's a business more than anything. I think there's still opportunities for small guys to break into it, but it's a, so much harder these days. And from a marketing perspective, like our customers, like we, you know, we enter the market with the focus on CPA. Like, don't worry about, don't even worry about CPIs. It's all about like conversions against revenue producing events. These days, if you, you know, when we go and talk to most of our customers, they're not even focused on CPA anymore. They're focused on ROAS, you know, they're mm -hmm. focused on revenue entirely. So it's, uh, you know, I think a lot of the sexiness is gone and, and, and it's really about performance more than anything. It's super interesting just to follow up on that real, uh, real quick. I mean, you talk about TikTok uh, before that we had Pokemon go and yeah, some of the sexiness is gone, right? It's not the new, new thing anymore. And yet in what other market in the world have we seen 
an app or a company or a brand come from almost nowhere to global prominence, to being a major player on the global stage in literally six, 12, 18 months, it's still an amazing space. Uh, yeah, yes, I agree. I agree. It's rare. Uh, though, it is rare. <laughs> you know, it's like, I think they're, they are very much the exception. It's just, it's just, you know, but if you go back to like those early days of the app store and you could be absolutely nobody, but you've got some good skills with a good idea, you could have a ton of success. And, and, and these days it's just that it's just so much harder and you need a lot more money to, to break out, to get people's attention. You can't necessarily rely upon, you know, like virality anymore. So interesting space though. But well, what about the evolution? I mean, you're talking about how, okay, there's not these breakout blockbuster hits, but, you know, all we talk about, all anyone talks about is the user, the user journey, even calling them users. I try not to. I really just try to call them people or customers. I like to have you weigh in on that, Dennis, because, you know, if it is about that, then that is a new phase in app marketing and apps that, that's going to be exciting because, hey, guess what? Behavior comes back in. Other types of data come back in other other metrics come back in what do you think about that yeah so all right fate you know sort of if, if i if i go back like you know phase one that went on for a number of years is build a great app uh and you're gonna and you will have success for the most part you know uh we are we're i, I see us as overall being long past that you know we are definitely in the stage where you need to have really good marketing to support your app very, you know, with it, with the focus being on like primarily on, on, uh, on user acquisition. Right. And I mean, we are, I think that it, it, maybe it goes without saying at this point, but you know, if you have this mindset of, Hey, I'm going to build an app, it's going to be successful. And you don't have the right marketing budget, the right marketing staff, the right marketing strategy to actually grow a user base, then I think you're, you're, you've got some misgivings there. So, you know, so there's sort of user journey, like people want to discover an app, they want to get to know it and, and get value out of it. Uh, I think that very much you need to be looking at that's around like product development, you know, the actual mm -hmm. app itself. What is the experience of the app? What's the value? You know, what are the what are the core features and functionality that people will get value from, you know, from that app? But then there's in parallel, there's you need to be I mean, I mean, of course, you need to be investing into, you know, into marketing or app, finding those those users who will get the most value out of it, which ideally it, uh, generates revenue for, you know, for the business. So I think that is very much where I see it. I know you guys are focused on retention. Super interesting, right? We've been on, we've been running re-engagement campaigns, right? Which is basically let's go and retarget users that installed your app. Maybe they've never used it, or maybe they use it for a while and they stopped you, they stopped using it. Whatever the scenario is, let's segment. You know, every it, and for the last number of years, it's like if you guys remember, it used to be, you know, the, the question that came up year after year was, is this the year of mobile? Is this the year of mobile? We don't ask that anymore. You know, no. I think we stopped around 2016. Yes. Something like that. Yeah. Like, yeah. We're like, this is the year of mobile. We hit it. And we don't have the question anymore. You don't read it about it. Nobody asks anymore. Um, but for a number of years now, we're, we've been asking ourselves, is this the year of retention? True. Is this the year of retention? Mm -hmm. And I got to tell you, like, we've been hosting Mobile Hero Summits for a number of years, 30 plus, you know, high value liftoff customers getting together for three days, candid conversation. 
And every time it was like re-engagement, retargeting, yeah. retention is on, it's on, you know, it's, it's, it's a discussion, you know, in the groups and so on. And I got to tell you every year, it's like, it's not the year of retention for the marketers. It's not. Mm. Yeah. Well, that's interesting, right? I mean, because there's also different groups in the marketing team or in a brand or in a company that are focused on different things. And Peggy and I have actually worked through that a little bit as well. Sometimes it's different people focused on retention. And sometimes, you know, the way that we think it's going to be, and we th th think it is the way in some of the most successful mobile businesses that we've seen, there's a real integration of marketing people and product people uh, and retention specialists and everything like that. And I mean, one of the things that we're, we're, we're getting the CEO of, of Reforge in pretty soon on Retention Masterclass, one of the things is you can't. You, you, retention is not something that you kind of, you know, tweak a couple knobs, right? You build that mm -hmm. into your experience. And so we'll get into that pretty deeply as well. But super interesting point they make. Maybe, uh, Peggy, we'll find in 2024, we're doing a show and nobody's asking the question anymore. And it was the retention <laughs> already. <laughs> exactly. It just sort of happens, you know. I mean, just to a point, just a quick follow-up, because I do remember this, and this was something I used in a in a deck once. Dennis, you have the numbers, but to your point about that, you did a survey of you know, just an informal survey of, of your customers, of some marketers. And what what did they say about retention? What was it? It was important for how many percent? I think it came in like in like the top challenges. You know, first it was acquisition and then it was something else, and then it was retention. So I mean yeah. We got a while there. <laughs> yeah, retention is, I can tell you, because we, I, you know, for the last mm -hmm. couple of years, it's a hot topic that not a lot of marketers are doing a whole lot about, yeah. right? And I, you mm -hmm. know, you're, you're just touching on it. I think, you know, the, there, I think there's two sort of, there's two things that need to get addressed before we will see retention, re-engagement, retargeting, just as a whole become, become like a larger investment, I guess, is, is what I say. The first is clearly education. Marketers as a whole, you know, that manage large budgets, they know UA inside and out, and they don't really know retention. And mm -hmm. so the more that they, the more uh, educated they become, mostly actually by doing and executing, I think that's sort of like, that's sort of one, one way in which it'll start to get addressed. The other is just simply, you know, as you were touching upon, you know, a lot in a lot of like the larger app publishers, these larger companies, retention is 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 a responsibility of those that that work within like a CRM team or department, and then you know, and not with the U, the UA or the mobile marketers. And so, you know, it's like as long as as I see, as long as the UA marketers, who again they have a responsibility for the tens of millions of dollars in ad spend, as long as they don't have responsibility for you for retention or re-engagement, and that's managed by some other CRM team. And typically it's like mobile is like just one channel, it's not a priority, you know, and they don't really know app marketing as a whole until that gets re-addressed and kind of re restructured, I think. I think that we will still see like stops and starts and companies really struggling to figure out, you know, what is it? How do we invest in it? How do we make it work? That is really interesting. And I think one of the challenges has been measuring it uh, as well, measuring re-engagement as well. And that's kind of where we're going. So it's a good segue. There's a lot going on in mobile right now. And there's kind of a tsunami, right? There's, there's kind of in this atomic explosion. And that is Apple's news in iOS 14, that basically the IDFA is going away. I mean, it's not dead, but it's opt-in and it's a very scary opt-in, right? It's it's a, you know, do you want somebody to track you all across the web? Yes or no. And pretty much everybody's going to say no. 
I've got to get your thoughts on what you think that means for your business, as well as, frankly, the whole industry of user acquisition and mobile marketing. Yeah. Such a, mm. it, it's such an interesting time. You know, we've, we've had a series, we've been, our chief product officer at Liftoff has hosted several internal sessions this week to talk about, you know, to share his thoughts about what does it mean and so on. What does it mean for liftoff? What does it mean for the industry as a whole? And then, and then, and then what, what are we doing? So I, I you know, here, I'll just to share my general thoughts. So for me, uh, the starting point is I'm actually, there's going to be winners and losers that come from this hundred percent. I think the companies that have some of the best engineers and product people and technology will come out just fine. I think those who are not as strong are really going to struggle. Reengagement companies, they're in trouble. If you are re-engage, a reengagement only company, you are going to have a real tough time at this. For liftoff, you know, like we we've been preparing for this for quite some time. So this isn't like we're not surprised by this. We are currently testing uh, running ML our ML based campaigns against audiences that already have limited ad tracking enabled. We've got we've we have tests running right now with some very interesting results coming from it. So, you know, as as far as for how it will impact us, I have really no concerns whatsoever. I think we will just simply come out a much stronger organization. But for the again, for those that are not again, if you don't have a strong technology team and technology stack, or if you are a reengagement only company, you're gonna you're gonna be hurt by this. Mm. I'd like to see some of that data at some point, just hinting, yeah. Dennis, <laughs> I had my wish. But, but you know, you talk about winners and losers. Let's get back to retention. I'd like to know, because you have so many customers, you know, I'm interviewing them on Mobile Heroes for now for four years of, of, you know, of people who really know their art and science, right? So I'd love to hear from you some examples of some companies that are doing it really, really well. So really good examples, high retention you've seen. Maybe also some idea of like what, attributes to that? What makes that possible? Sure. So, you know, listen, I, I at, at, at sort of at, at my core, I'm a product person, which to me means you build a great app, a great service, and you will just naturally generate high retention. I, you know, I, I've been, I, I don't know if either of you play games. I've been playing Clash of Clans on and off for at least five years. You know, and and when when uh, Shelter in Place kicked in, I was just like, I'm going to download Clash. I haven't played Clash in a while. And I got to tell you, I spend more money in that game now than I ever have. And why? What is it? It's not, you know, it's yeah. like there's always a habit. Ultimately, they've they've built some capabilities into the game that just make it so attractive to me. The social element, there's a very strong community element to it, which I absolutely love. You know, so I, I'm like, I'm connected, like every couple of days, you know, clashing against another clan with my clan mates. And like, I have to be there. I've got to donate troops. I got to support these guys. And so I feel very beholden to, to them. You know, it's like, I got my own little community here that keeps me coming back. And, and the community keeps me spending because I'm like a co-leader and I want to make sure I can donate troops. To them so they have more success and kind of, and, you know, and on it, and think about this, like a part of why I spend money in the game is so I can like make donations to these guys. It's also just to almost, it's so ridiculous. It's so ridiculous. But 
I like to be a role model to these guys. You guys, be generous, donate, support each other, you know, and they know I'm very reliable and I keep doing these things. And that, and that leads me to spending money in the app. So good for, good for those guys as, as an example of a gaming app, how do you like, but that's, it's built into the app itself, you know? Mm -hmm. That is super interesting. I mean, you know, you basically said, Hey, this app, it, there's a community. It's a social network for me. It's an opportunity to show leadership. It's an opportunity to be a part of a team. And yeah, I don't want to let down the guy next door, right? And the guy next to me. And so there's perfect mechanics built into that app to keep you engaged and keep you coming back and keep you spending as well. And that kind of relates uh, to the next question I had, because we've seen a massive shift in mobile during COVID-19, during coronavirus, right? I, I published some Adobe data recently, which said that COVID-19 accelerated retail four to six years, mobile retail, four to six years, right? E-commerce. And we've seen in games as well, massive engagement. We saw record revenues in games in China, for instance, as that shut down first, we saw huge engagement, about 20% more installs across the board in, in, in the first quarter. What have you seen in terms of perhaps user acquisition, but also retention due to COVID-19 over the past few months? So it's been it's been interesting, right? It's been really interesting. Chinese curse type of way, yes. <laughs> there, this you know, COVID nineteen has impacted the, you know, sort of the 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 app industry in different ways. There's some verticals that are really suffering, but it's not just the app vertical. It's the it's that entire industry. Like travels number one. Like our travel, you know, our, the the, the our travel customers are not spending there's no reason for them to spend any money there's no travel going on and the other hand we've seen like significant spikes in growth in spend and engagement and usage and so on amongst gaming and e-commerce just as you know all the data as all the data shows that we have our own research reports that we've been putting out that you know we just released on shopping apps last last uh, week and same thing it's just like incredible growth it's happening globally, but it's very much, you know, there's, there's winners and losers for sure. Interesting. Interesting. Thank you. You do a lot of retargeting as well. Can you talk a little bit about the challenges of reactivating a user or customer and maybe the ROI of retargeting com as compared to acquiring brand new users? Are you, are you say, asking from like a, a, a a mobile perspective or yes. from a liftoff perspective? Well, uh, how about a mobile liftoff perspective? Mobile liftoff. <laughs> well, you know, because there's, the, right, because we do our own retargeting and re-engagement to like lift off customers or former customers. And then, of mm -hmm. course, we run retargeting campaigns on that. Right, 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 right. Oh, okay. Mostly in terms of your customers, uh, what they're seeing, what they're doing. Yeah. So... Yeah, we work with a lot of, um, you know, so a lot of the companies that we work with where we're running re-engagement campaigns, it's to, it's a lot of subscription services and a lot of gaming companies. And I want to say some e-commerce companies, you know, typically it's quite interesting, right? So it's like uh, we have a very healthy re-engagement business. Uh, a lot of that crosses over with uh, UA. So it's like a lot of our re-engagement customers are running UA. UA and re-engagement together for them. And, and that will that will include re-engaging both 
Liftoff acquired customers as well as users they've acquired through other other channels. I could tell you, you know, what I could tell you is where we typically, where our customers typically have success with re-engagement. It number one, it always comes down to they they are well staffed. They've got, you know, they they invest time and money into re-engaging users. They have an understanding. There's usually a fairly good segmentation strategy as well. You know, we typically it's not too crazy of a segmentation strategy, but it's not just simply let's go and retarget users that have, that installed but never actually activated. There's usually much greater sophistication to the segments. So, and, you know, and then there's some level of sophistication around the actual messaging, like the ad creative that we design. That's you know, with with the messaging and design that's more specific to the segment that we're targeting. But again, you know, like I said earlier, it's like we've run, you know, it's like, you know, advice that I offer to marketers all the time is, is whether it's UA or re-engagement, you're going to have to like make an investment of time and resources in order to figure it out and get it right for us. That means we need to give our ML time to, 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 to test and optimize and so on. We've got a great team that's, you know, actively managing campaigns. So it's half, autom- you know, it's automated, but we also are hands-on with our ad ops team. But if marketers don't have the tolerance for that, you know, if they're impatient, if they're focused on just like, you know, on on sort of like top of funnel metrics like CPI or anything like that, typically we will, you know, they're not going to, they will not have success, whether it's UA or re-engagement. So you're giving advice to marketers there, Dennis. That's good. But, you know, you also have advice, I think, that's really valuable for B2B marketers listening in to learn from you. Because let's look at your B2B marketing. I mean, I I have to say there are some companies, we'll not name them, they're saying, hey, you know, we have to get a Slack channel. I'm thinking, you already have, and you told me, 1,600 in your Slack channel, right? I recently became a member of the Slack channel. I'm say, I'm thrilled to say, this you know, first I hear of it, by the way, I'm, I'm almost offended. So John's going to be jealous now. John wants to be in on it. No, I'm just kidding. But... Ask John. Just ask. <laughs> just ask John. See, it's that good. It's just a community, but you know, think about it. 1600 people, you know, communicating in a community, talking, exchanging, seeing you as, you know, a brand they can connect with right? There's a lot to be said for that. You have other milestones that I'd love to hear, you know, and sort of run down because you've been doing this now for, I think it is five years. I'd love to know what started you because now everybody's talking about, particularly now with COVID, right? Everyone wants to talk through their content, connect through their content. Everyone has a webinar. We won't go there about how many people are just sort of like (laughs) clogging up my inbox with incredible webinars. I had a webinar today and offer, you know, on, on, on niche topics that nobody cares about. Won't go there. Uh, you don't have it. I mean, like things like, you know, going back to submarine cables and, and, and telecom, you know, telco stuff. I mean, you really want to do that. You really want to tell me about that in that format. I don't think so. Just wait for MWC and it'll all be good right next year. But anyway, won't go there. I do want to hear what you do, what started it, because you got a little bit of a, yeah, definitely. You've got a, you know, you're a fast follower. You're a leader there. What may, what happened? Yeah. So I know I, what is up with all of these random webinars that <laughs> I've never heard of are inviting me to. It's like, it's <laughs> names. <laughs> I don't get it. I don't get, I'm constantly invited to all this garbage. I'm like, I, they, Certainly, I'm on everyone's list. It is incredibly, incredibly annoying. Oh, and I, sorry, because the biggest pet peeve of mine, you know, there, there are, I agree, there's, there's leaders and there's leaders and there's, there's a handful of leaders and there's mostly followers. But what is up with everybody? You know, my whole LinkedIn feed is filled with like 
promotion of webinars where you've got all the guest speakers with their circles and heads mm-hmm. or their heads inside I'm of, the- of that. Like, my design team, I'm like, you guys, and you'll, if you look at liftoff, you know, we're like, we're, we're, we've been killing all the heads and circles. No more of that. It's just like, but this is ultimately is what I find in, you know, in B2B marketing is most, most, listen, I don't want to like, I'm not really sure what to make of it other than what I've been thinking and saying for many years now. It just seems like the marketers that are marketing these companies within our industry, and I think B2B in general, from what I've seen, there's not a lot of creativity. Like they don't bring a lot of creativity. They come in and they go, okay, what do I need to do? And they kind of look around what others do and they start just doing the same thing, you know, which in B2B, it's a lot of webinars and it's a lot of research or white papers, some guides and blogs. And that's pretty much it. So when I, you know, when I joined Liftoff, it's almost six years ago. For me, it all started with uh, what do we, what, what, what are we, what do we have of real value that we can offer to the industry, to the marketers? That would be really a value. And I said, well, we're sitting on a bunch of very interesting, like deep funnel data, and nobody's really sharing anything like that in our industry. I said, let's be the ones to share that. And I honestly, if the numbers are good, fantastic. If they're not so good, I don't really care. It at least at least let's give ourselves, let's give the industry some benchmarks that they can measure their own campaigns against from an install to a, a purchase and what those conversion rates look like throughout. And so that was a start. And I, John, I don't know if you remember, I remember like you and I had a conversation, like uh, I was very excited. Oh, I talked to this guy, John, working for VentureBeat. Uh, you were, I think you were running research at the time over yeah. there. This is literally five and a half years ago. I'm like, hey, dude, we got all this great data. I'm going to le- release this report out there. We'd love it if you would share it. And, you know, maybe it's a value to share with the industry. But that for us was a starting point. It was like, let's just get something out there that is actually a value to the industry. And, you know, over the over the years, I've this, this has been, oh, and to do it in a very, in, with a very authentic voice and, and make sure it's something that the industry will actually value or some segments of the industry will value, you know? So, from there, it was very much like we were working with all these non-gaming marketers and I got to know these guys. I was like, wow, these guys have such a hard job. I think it was Invoice to Go, talking with the, the head of marketing for Invoice to Go. And she was telling me they have an app that's designed for like contractors and, you know, outside salespeople that when, they're, when they go and meet with a prospect or a customer, they want to be able to give them a send them an invoice from, from their phone. Okay. And they had this app and there's tons of them in the app store and they're all charging $2.99 or $3.99 to download. But these guys have a subscription service. So her job was to be able to go out there and find their target market, get them to download the app, use it and convince them to pay a monthly fee to use this app versus $2.99 as a one-time fee. And I was like, holy crap, these guys have... (laughs) <laughs> such a hard job, so much harder than marketers of gaming apps, which is where 90% of the revenue was, 90% of the ad spend. Mm. You know, it's from all these conversations with marketers doing things like this, like this is their challenge. You go, it's so much, that is so hard. And and they had, they were, there was like no case studies. There's no knowledge sharing going on in the industry at that time, you know, and there was no, and they want to learn from each other. They want to connect with each other. And so I said, you know what, man, these guys are the real heroes of the industry. And then I, you know, floated this idea around my head for about a month of creating mobile heroes, where we basically 
give these guys an opportunity to tell their stories, wins, their successes and their failures, their challenges, a little bit of the background in history. Just give them an opportunity to share some of their knowledge with the rest of the industry as a way of like, you know, kind of crowdsourcing the the knowledge that was not being shared. And and that was really that was the start of Mobile Heroes. And and since then we built in a community aspect with the with Slack. We have all these Mobile Heroes events that we've that we've hosted. It's very much, and just to understand, this is like lift off. We're just completely in the background. I just want to give these guys, let us be your sort of the PR marketing you know, support infrastructure to give you guys this opportunity to share and, and, and connect and learn from one another. And that was really, but that was the impetus was those conversations I had back then. Very, very, very cool. And I hope that time, I can't recall it. I remember meeting you a long time ago, but I can't recall that time five, six, seven years ago. I hope I actually wrote something about it. <laughs> Not a word. <laughs> oh, oh boy it's come back to bite me come on man and i'd reach out to you and and then you went what's that and then you went and you joined tune at some point i did i did i was there for about three years in my defense i will say that when i stopped writing full-time for venture beat i had tens of thousands of emails in my inbox and it was not uncommon for me to get five or 800 in a day. So it was, it was a little challenging, but you talked about doing some interesting things. You talked about breaking the box a little bit. Marketers tend to be pretty conservative, especially B2B. And, and you, you broke a few rules. You did something a little scary. Actually you said, Hey, even if the data sucks, <laughs> we're going to put it out there. Even if it doesn't make us look good, we're going to put it out there. Where'd you get the courage to do that? How can you motivate other marketers to have some courage as well? to share more? Ooh, that's a good question. Where do I get the courage to do it? So, you know, honestly, so I think there's sort of two, two things I could say about that. The first is, honestly, it's just in my DNA. Like, let's just go have an honest conversation with, you know, with, with, you know, with the industry and see what comes. Let's just be an authentic, honest, you know, voice. And we're just normal, down to earth, smart people. We don't do things, you know, maybe we make mistakes here and there. We work hard. We continue to improve everything that we do as an organization and as individuals that work for an, or work for an organization. So for me, it's just simply, hey, you guys, we're sitting on lots of data. I think that there's a lot of value that we can provide to the industry by being the company that, that offers benchmarks. Again, and I know it's just like, you're like, you're going to be running your campaigns. You're investing heavily in Facebook and Google and we're programmatic and we're early and young and our numbers are going to look pretty different because the nature of programmatic is different than what you're going to see from the, from the sands and so on. But let's get out there. Let's, let's share this with the industry. So I think that was just kind of like the net. And then secondly is, uh, is, is my CEO, Mark, he gets it. He gets it, you know, and, and he's, he's, he's not afraid. He's not, you know, he, Honestly, he supports me. He supported me, you know, from, from the start, just like we'll talk through things and I'll be like, yeah, sounds like a good idea. Let's do it. And he lets me run with what I think is makes the most sense for us. And, and I can go in some pretty interesting directions. He's always mm -hmm. supported me in that, you know, but the results speak for themselves. You know, the results of the impact that marketing has had on building our business and building our brand and sustaining that for nearly six years now, like I... You know, he gives me a lot of leeway to do what I need to do because uh, ultimately the results speak for themselves. Good. 
I'd like to understand a little bit about that mix, Dennis, because, you know, you say it like, oh, well, you know, it makes sense and it's authentic and it's sharing, it's giving back. I fully, fully get that. But, you know, you know, we have the biweekly podcast that I do right over at Mobile Presence. You have other things. You have webinars, you have your lunch clubs, you have just this incredible mix. And I'd like to understand, you know, how you decide that, because you've still got your blogs in there. We still got webinars. You know, we dissed them a little bit earlier, but, you know, they do work and you have an approach to them. You have talk shows. But there is a mix. There's got to be some sort of uh, formula of some kind that you can share because it's it's really, really cool stuff, but it's really, really basic stuff, too. Formula. Yeah, yeah. Try. everybody wants the formula. Step yeah, this, this is like the superhero two, thing. We, yes. want, we want the formula here. It's <laughs> Boy, formula. OK, I don't know about a formula, guys. Honestly, okay. there is, you know. Listen, you know, for coming in, I when I joined Liftoff, I was the 13th person in the company. There's no marketing. There's no website. There's nothing. Right. But my, you know, first thing I'm thinking to myself is I, I need to I need to generate demand, you know, as a starting point, I need to generate demand for a service. So how can I do that? What are some really easy, easy things that I can get up and running? Right. And so, mm -hmm. you know, if you kind of look at our history of marketing, it's OK get a website up and running and start producing some good quality research that I can produce release on a quarterly basis. Okay. now let's, let's do a once a quarter webinar, like I, you know, cause it's just to share and maybe that'll help generate demand and let's get to one event a quarter, you know, MAU and whatever else, you know, each quarter that, that was as much of a formula as I had. And then I just built on top of that. Mobile heroes was, a was, was, a, a definitely a risk like building the whole mobile heroes program was definitely a risk but i'm a startup guy i've built my own startups i've built marketing from scratch and so i know how to do it on a very lean budget with few resources so the investment overall was not that significant to get it up and running but ultimately like mobile heroes is not a big demand gen program for us at all it's more thought leadership and education and branding more than anything you know you know, listen, honestly, there, there, it's, it's there, there, when I think about the things that we've done that are, that have been some of them, like that we do these, we from time to time, we produce these mobile hero comics. Mm -hmm. the, the driver for that was, was, was very simple. I wanted to give my own team something new and fresh to work on, to challenge them, to kind of refresh their creative juices. Cause when you do research and webinars and blogs, after a while, honestly, you do have a year or two. It's boring. It's boring. It's not that exciting to work on. So it's just like, I want to keep their creative juices flowing. Let's come, let's do comics. We know that, you know, our industry is young, geeky, data centric, and so on. So it's just like, hey, let's try creating comics. We'll turn these mobile heroes into super, into comic book heroes where they can live on, you know, forever and they can share with their friends and family and so on. And so that was the reason why, you know, that, but that was the main driver for doing the comics. And then we put it out there and we see what, how does the, how does the industry respond? And the feedback was always generally very positive. People love them. We try to weave in a meaningful, you know, build a meaningful story so they actually can learn something uh, that's meaningful to help them be better marketers. And, and that's, you know, but the driver was to keep my team fresh, you know, and we don't generate demand from the comics. And, it, you know, but we learned how to, we figured out how to do it 
in a very time efficient manner. Like, like in fact, here, here, I'll, here's like a, a gift to, to all the marketers out there. We spend the actual dollars that we spend on these, on doing a comic. And like, you look at it, you go, Oh my God, eight pages, 10 pages, 12 pages. It's so beautiful. Those comics cost us less than $2,000 to produce. Wow. Okay. And the amount of time that Morgan and I put into the comics collectively, let's call it, let's call it 15 hours. Right. Like the most market. Wow. Like, oh my God, I'm going to have to hire and build a team. And I don't, and we're going to, it's going to be 120 hours of time. And it's going to be $15,000, you know, a $15,000 expense. You can't do comics. It's too much, it's too much time and too much of an investment. I go, no, no, no. If, if, if it takes that, you're going to do it wrong. If it takes, you know, you're doing it under two grand and maybe 15 hours of time, that's the way to go about doing, you know, doing a good comic that maybe will work and maybe it won't work. It certainly leaves an impression, Des, because I know I talk to mobile heroes. First of all, they love it. They love it when they're in there. I sort of like my cameo appearances also, I have to say. <laughs> I think the last time I was the source of all evil on the earth or something like that. Pretty cool. But, you know, you have these ideas and you have it in your DNA. I can see it and I can see those sorts of things. But you work with a team. I'm just wondering you know, how to keep them motivated, how to keep them on the same wavelength, you know, you're going on some great energy, but you know, they might burn out or something or mix it up or, you know, get someone in with really wild ideas. Any, any thoughts on how to manage amazing imagination, I guess? Yes. Yeah. That's a really, okay. that is a really good question. So Ideas need to come from somewhere and from some, you know, from, from people, boy, that's a really good question, Peggy. So I'll tell you what I, what I do these days with my team is, you know, typically we have a brainstorm and we'll throw ideas out there and I'm always just looking for like that one thing. You don't really need anything. You don't need a ton of ideas. You just need one really good idea. And then to take that one good idea from an idea to executing something that's, you know, that's hopefully out the gate pretty good that you can then kind of iterate upon and at least at least give it a couple more tries. That's really what I go for. So typically what I do is we'll do some brainstorm, come up with that one, with that one idea that we want to pursue, and then work with a very small subset of people on that one idea. Do not bring in lots of people. Don't. It's just going to like, and, and, and you need to be there and I will be very actively involved in it. And typically what I do these days, especially with COVID-19 and working from home is we will like the mobile heroes lunch club is a perfect example. We're sitting there going, Oh crap. Events are all being canceled guys. Uh Oh, now we all have to stay home. Everyone's staying home globally. What do we do? No more events. What are people going to be missing out on? They get to meet with their friends and colleagues. They get to have lunch. Mm -hmm. They get to talk shop. What do we miss out on lift offers? A lot of the same stuff, right? And so, so I said, hey, what if we do like a Mobile Heroes Lunch Club? Small groups. We get a Mobile Hero to moderate a lunch. But we do like a series of four of them in a row. One a week for four weeks in a row. So you get time to build a relationship. You get to know people. You get to talk about mm -hmm. the things that are important to you. We get them onto the Slack community so they can talk ahead of time what are the subjects you want to talk when they have the lunch and then we'll provide lunch coupon code honestly breakfast lunch dinner i don't care go spend it with maybe you don't want to eat lunch while you're talking nobody does it turns out just lunch for your wife or your husband or it doesn't matter to us right 
So, but the way that I worked with the team of, there were three of us is we just met, we would meet for 30 minutes to an hour, three days a week to work through all the details. Okay. So many details need to get worked out. Like, okay, how about the coupon coupon codes? Well, geez, we can't use this one service in Europe. Okay. Let's try using another one. Hey, we got the moderators. We got all of our heroes signed up as moderators. Let's get feedback. Let's survey the attendees after each launch so we, we could get feedback on, so we could give to the moderators, feedback for ourselves, right? So we can we can improve these in real time. Because uh, we have no idea. I'm like, I kept saying like to us and to the moderators, go, you guys, we've never done this before. We've never tried to like moderate a group through Zoom or through a computer. Mm-hmm. We don't know what works, what doesn't work. If it's awkward, how do you overcome awkwardness and so on? How do you get the shy people to talk, et cetera? It's, how do you meet who talks too much? And so it's in real time, the three of us would work through these things. We have a single doc we use for tracking everything. And we launched the lunch clubs. And I got to tell you, they have been like such a huge hit based upon the surveys, based on all the feedback we get from the 150 marketers that have been attending these lunch clubs for, we've been we've just finished round two, eight full weeks of lunch clubs, 150 marketers getting together every single week with a small group of 10 to 12 to talk shop. Very, and, very, and very. Them. So I don't know. I don't know if this is answering your question, but but that's that's one of the ways it's like somebody's got to stay close to it. Somebody's got to really and pay attention to the details because things get sloppy real fast in marketing. You know, mm-hmm. you really got to pay attention to the details. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. Cool. So we're almost running out of time here, but maybe two more questions I'm going to sort of pack into one and we're going to mobile apps and retention. First part of it is what are two or three of the biggest mistakes you see marketers make with mobile retention and give us maybe one key thing that every mobile user retention specialist should try. Sure. Yeah, I think, okay, in terms of like mistakes that, I, that I've that i seen marketers make, I think the first one is actually just simply not investing enough time into it, mm-hmm. right? So there's 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 a bit too much of, well, I tried something and didn't work, so I just stopped doing it. Yep. <laughs> you know, because you know, it does, you know, like running re-engagement campaigns is more work than running UA by far. You need to be thinking, you know, the the amount of, of creatives that you're going to want to develop segments you're going to want to like develop and test against it just the amount of work multiplies with re-engagement so understand when you get into it it's going to require a, a greater amount of time and resources to to test and to learn and to optimize and to, and to see success than say ua which can be these days more and more automated with liftoff and google and facebook and so on so I think that's sort of like that's probably the the main the main mistake I've seen marketers make is just not investing enough time that it requires. And then and then your second question, John, what was your second question? I was just saying, what's one key thing that every mobile user retention specialist should try? I mean, you know, this goes for UA and reengagement, and it's definitely around like you're gonna it just. It's definitely around like creative testing and optimization. What you do on the UA side applies to the re-engagement side as well. You know, so if you are, you want to be investing just as much into develop, you know, designing and testing ads for those different, for those different audience segments that you're retargeting. I think that's the main thing. There is one other thing and, and I, and I don't have data against this. I have an opinion and based upon like research I've read, 
I think that there's, you know, when it comes to push, and this is not anything that Liftoff does, but, you know, I think that when it comes to push, uh, utilizing push notifications, every marketer I've ever talked to over the years, and I used to work for, I used to run marketing for a, uh, a mobile marketing automation platform that was like for enterprise level push, internet messaging, and so on. One of the biggest, you know, one of the biggest mistakes that I thought that, you know, that I saw with marketers is just everybody just has this, 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 this belief that nobody wants to receive push notifications. So just you really need to be very minimize your use of push notifications. And I actually think that, you know, like, listen, with everything, there's a line, you know, and I'm on my, my sort of my DNA is, is I like to push myself and my team to cross the line and then we'll pull back. And when it comes to push, I think marketers are very, they creep and creep and never really even get too close to that line. You know, they think, hey, transactional push notifications are fine beyond that and kind of push you'd want to use for marketing. It's just like, stay away from it because you're going to bother, you're going to bother users and then they're going to just delete our app or they're going to get, they'll get annoyed and delete. So this is like one of the area where like, I would encourage marketers, like, you know, take a look at that, you know, go get to the line. I don't, I think you're fine. Go to the line, cross the line, come pull back versus taking this approach of slowly creeping and never even coming close. So I think there's a lot of room for utilizing push for for uh, for retention. Cool. I just say, Dennis, you know, from crossing the line, breaking the rules, thinking out of the box, it's like some sort of action adventure here, uh, comic hero. I mean, we started out with the whole idea of superheroes and superpowers. It's just been great having you here and sharing some of your superpowers on B2B marketing. I think it was helpful for our audience and uh, great to have you here. Thank cool. you. Thank yeah, you. it's really nice. You know, you, you guys know, like I'm, all, I'm hosting a lot of webinars and talk shows, you know, in my career, especially these days. And uh, it's, it's nice to be a guest. <laughs> it is. <laughs> yeah. Great. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Thank you. Well, thank you for joining us on Retention Masterclass, whatever platform you're on. Hey, like, subscribe, share, comment, or hey, all of the above. If you love this podcast, please rate it and review it. That would be a massive help. And of course, until next time, you know, as always, keep well, stay safe. This is Peggy Ann Salt signing off for Retention Masterclass. And I'm John Gitz here. Have a great day. <laughs>